Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is The Fast Track, and I want to read you a couple of definitions. I... Uh, little research and I've noticed I talk to people if you talk to college graduates sometimes they get out of college and they've done an internship of some kind in a company and they'll hit a company and they're kind of these young executive recruit type of people and they'll put them on some kind of a fast track some kind of fast training track and what that's designed to do is bring them up to speed put them in a position in a place where they can take over responsibility and uh, get on with it. Do it in a fast way as opposed to spending 20 or so years trying to learn the company. One of the definitions you'll find uh, in fast track being one word is to speed up the processing, production, or construction in order to meet a goal. That's one definition. Or the one that probably fits best to what we're going to talk about today is a course leading to rapid advancement or success. Now, this is probably not going to go anywhere you think it's going to go, so just hold on. And I'm going to hit one of what I think, and biblically I'll show you why, one of the basic fundamental things in Christianity, but is left out as probably the last thing that any Christian ever addresses or talks about, frankly, because it involves some sacrifice. But I'll show you in a minute why it's basic. If you look first in Matthew chapter 6, there are three things that are mentioned here by Jesus as he is speaking to this crowd. Matthew 6, verse 1. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now this involves money. Verse 2, Therefore, when you do charitable deeds, and I'm going to make an issue here of one word. If your Bible said if instead of when, it would change everything. But there are three things he addresses here. The first one being charitable deeds or involving money. He says, when you do charitable deeds, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So when you're giving money, you ought to go out of your way, he says, to not even let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Be so careful not to say, hey, look what I'm doing. I wrote a check. I gave money. Do it as discreetly and as privately as possible. So that's one thing about giving money. When you give money, verse 5, and when you pray. Now he's hitting three things here. He says, when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions, chanting prayers. He says, be personal in your prayers. And he gives us an idea of something to pray here. And that's where we get the Our Father prayer out of the Scriptures. There are a lot of people who use that Our Father prayer and just recite it. They don't think about what they're praying. They just say the words over and over and over and over, day after day, week after week. It's not that it can't have any impact, but it's just vain repetitions. It's just repeating something over and over. So he goes through prayer. Now, you think if he's hit money and he's hit prayer, 
then there's going to be something to follow this if he waits at least for it to be number three here in this list. And it's in verse 16. He says, moreover, when you fast, there have been issues in my life. And guys, if you have something in your life that nothing is broken, some habit, some drug addiction, some sexual addiction, some area in your life, a relationship, someone that's not a Christian that you've been praying for, it is a sacrifice. And one of the basic things that you'll see if you look at fasting is when you fast, you give up something that your flesh wants. And the Bible describes your flesh as just your body. And if you go one day without eating, I'm going to tell you something, your body's going to talk to you. And your body will say, what are you doing to me? you got to feed me. you got to take care of me. I need food. You're not going to die. Most people are not going to die if they give up food for one day. And if you look at Jesus, you go back and look in the Gospels, one of the first things, the first thing when his ministry started, before anything kicked in, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness for a 40-day fast. So it must be something to this thing, or he wouldn't have done it. And I'm not recommending a 40-day fast. I'd start with a day. I'd go to two or three days maybe at some point, maybe build a week, and only if God directs you to do more than that would I go beyond that. You're thinking, this doesn't apply to me. Whether you think it applies to you or not, let me tell you something. There's a day coming when it's going to apply to you or someone you know, and they're going to need you to fast in their behalf, or you're going to have to fast to see something happen. Now let's read Matthew 6 again, and let me read you what he says here. He says, moreover, when you fast, when you fast... Do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, this is what they did back then. Somebody would fast. These religious guys would fast, and they would walk around, you know, barely holding on to things, just, and somebody would say, well, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I think, let me sit down here just a minute. You know, I'll, I'll be fine. Well, what's the matter? Well, pray for me, brother. I'm fasting today. They would look, these long, sad, sick faces like they were barely hanging on. And what happened was people would recognize that and see that and say, oh, he's so spiritual, he must be fasting. And that was their reward, the fact that they got seen by men and were thought to be holy. But look what he says. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Don't act like you're fasting. Don't let anybody know you're fasting. Be very careful. Live as normally as just go on. Now, some people interpret this to say we should never tell anybody you're fasting. You should never say anything. It is an incredible opportunity when it does come up. Because if you go to lunch with your people at office or you're with a group of people and they say, well, aren't you going to order anything? I'll just have a glass of water. No, I'm fine. I'm going to eat next year. You know, they say, well, aren't you going to eat? And you say, well, no, I'm fine. They say, well, what's the matter? Are you sick? You say, no, I'm fine. If they keep pressing, you say, look, I mean, you're asking, I'm going to tell you, I'm fasting. You're what? I mean, they'll flip out. You have an unbelievable opportunity to share why and what's going on, that you're praying for a specific issue, either in your life or in somebody else's. So it's a great open door to, to share. But he says, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly." Now let me tell you right up front, I don't get it. There's a lot of stuff about Christianity, about the spiritual aspect, things that are in the Scriptures that I cannot explain to you, but I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of it that I do by faith because it's in there and I've seen it work in my own life. Now you say, well, I don't believe fasting works. Well, don't say that till you try it. And some of you have got some heavy-duty issues personally, in your family, your job, 
I don't mind sharing this. Before this church even started, I didn't know if it was the right thing to do. And let me tell you something. The last thing you do without finding out if God wants you to do it is start a church. I can assure you that because there are tough times that come with it. And I basically one day said, God, I'm not getting a clear cut answer. I want an answer. So I said, I'm going to fast till I get an answer. And on the seventh day, I got an answer. And when I look back on the days when all hell breaks loose and there are problems and challenges, there are days I look back and I say, God, you know, I don't think I'm going to make it. He said, was this your idea or my idea? And I said, well, it was your idea. And he says, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, we prayed about it and I got a clear cut answer. So you just settle down and back down. I would not recommend anybody, especially, obviously, if you're believers, do not get married to somebody if you're not willing, if you're not going to give up food to find out if they're right, you're not going to give up anything once you're married to compromise and sacrifice in that relationship. Guys, this is no-brainer stuff. And I think it applies to any relationship, any job. I'm not saying every time you take a job you ought to pray and fast, but this ought to be a part of your life. Now, lest somebody say to me, well, this is Old Testament stuff, we'll get to that in a minute, There's a question asked in Matthew chapter 9. If you're in Matthew, just keep flipping if you want to turn to these. Matthew 9, 14, the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to him, Can the friends of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? And he is the bridegroom. But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Jesus said, they're not going to do it while I'm here, but after I'm gone, they will fast. And we are his followers. We are his disciples. In Matthew 17, 21, there's an instance where a a kid with an epileptic seizure, he had problems and, and it turned out to be demonic. And the disciples kept trying to speak to this demon and get it to come out and leave this kid alone. Nothing would happen. And Jesus spoke and the demon came out in verse 21. The uh, disciples said to Jesus, well, how could you do it? And we couldn't. He said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. There are issues in your life. There are things going to come up that you're going to deal with that you are not going to get past without some prayer and fasting. All right, let me look at uh, another one with you. Acts 10. And this is Acts 10, verse 30. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. Cornelius was fasting, and he was not even a Christian at that time. He believed in God, he was searching for God, but he said, God, you know what? I'm willing to give up food itself to find you. And it is amazing, just from personal experience, when you do this, you can't imagine how much you appreciate food And then all of a sudden you go back and sit down to a meal and you realize, wow, this is incredible. It's basic stuff, but I'm all of a sudden more grateful than ever for just something like food. Acts 13, uh, 2 and 3, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. And this is over and over, just kind of a given when they were picking Christian leaders. And before they would lay hands on them and send them out, they would fast and pray for them. Acts 14.23, another case of this. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And then there's one other place in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I think it's verse 5, that it talks about a married couple that the only reason they should not have sex is if they're praying and fasting about something specifically. At some point, guys, let me tell you this. It's going to cost you. 
this Christianity thing, there are a lot of people who sign up and say, well, I want to go to heaven. That's why I'm in. I found out Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead, and that'll get me into heaven. I want into heaven. But that's it. I'm done. And you think you're going to sit on the bench and on the sideline and just enjoy the ride all the way to heaven. But God did not send His Son to die on a cross so you could just get into heaven. He did that so He could get you through life and your life make an impact on somebody else's life in this life. And that is going to require some suffering and some sacrifice. It's going to cost you somewhere along the way. And I'm not saying to religiously fast, just fast all the time because it's something you ought to do. There are times when specifically the Holy Spirit will say, you know what, it's time. There's nothing else breaking this. Let's pray. Let's fast. All right, let's look at Isaiah 58, and uh, let's start with verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God, they ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. And what they're saying to God is, we fasted. Why aren't you paying attention? Look at us down here suffering. We're not eating. We're doing what you said. Why don't you pay attention? And God says to them, well, in fact, the day of your fasting, you're finding pleasure. You're not doing anything. You're not doing it for me because you really want me. And you're exploiting your laborers. You're not only taking pleasure in the day and acting like it's nothing's going on, you're not seeking after me, but you're even treating your employees bad on the day you fast. Verse 4, Indeed you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now this is where you got to pay attention. If you're underlining stuff, you're going to find something here that applies to you. God says, is this not the fast that I have chosen? This is why he says to fast. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Now let me just stop and go over verse 6 a minute. Now, I don't know if you're there yet, but sooner or later, some sin's going to knock you on your butt. And it's going to hit you so hard, and you're going to get so sick of it, and so consumed by it, and so frustrated by it, you're going to say, God, I used to have fun with this, whether it's sex, drugs, alcohol, whatever, stealing, whatever your deal is. And you say, God, I have pushed the limit. This is not fun anymore. I'm not enjoying this anymore. I don't want to be this way, live this way anymore. But I've gone so far with this behavior and activity that I can't back up. Maybe it's pornography, whatever your deal is. And you've taken it to the limit. And when you try to stop, you can't stop. And your flesh literally runs your life. Whatever you want, your body says, I'm going to have what I want when I want it. And you can't stop doing whatever it is you're trying to do. If you ever reach that point, or you're there now, or you have a friend who's there now, I'm telling you guys, there is nothing like prayer and fasting that will break this stuff. And when he describes here in verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness. If there's just evil stuff going on in your life, this is one of the only ways to break it. To undo the heavy burdens. If you feel like you're carrying around some sin, it'll lift it. 
to let the oppressed go free and that you break every yoke. And sometimes sin in the Bible is described as a yoke of bondage, something that literally locks you in and you can't stop. The Bible talks about the law of sin and death and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. This is one of the ways to do it. Verse 7, look at the next category. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Now, I haven't run the numbers on this, but if you fast for a day and you think about what you spend on breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you do in a day, maybe it's $6, maybe it's $25, I don't know. But if you get in a mode and say, you know what, God, I'm going to take all the money that I save today, I calculate what I usually save, what I usually spend on money, I'm going to take that money I'm going to feed some homeless person with that money. Not just giving up food, but saying, God, I'm going to use it. He says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? See, I don't know what it is to go to bed hungry. If you see these people standing out in the corner or some family, wherever, a lot of times we very cynically go, ah, the guy ought to go get a job. He's just a bum. He's just a creep. You ought to just go get a job and, you know, work like everybody else and eat. If you meet someone who is genuinely in trouble, and you realize that they can't get a job or they've looked and they're homeless, they have no food, guys. If you've ever been hungry, you know what this feels like. And when you do go hungry for the right reason and you realize what it is to feel that hunger, then you're more aware and more sensitive to people around you who are in desperate need of basic stuff like food, he says here. So it's to share your bread with the hungry, literally to bring people home who are poor and cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him. There's just something about giving up something basic like food where you say, God, I know what it is to be without in some small way. And it makes you aware and and you're able to notice what other people are going through. So you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh or from someone, another human being like you. Verse 8. Now it goes from sin kind of stuff to practical kind of stuff. And then it gets into some spiritual stuff here in verse 8. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. First thing, you say, well, I'm reading the Bible. I just don't get it. I'm searching for answers from God. I just, I read this book and I just don't see it. If you will say to God, before you read the book, you set aside a day and say, look, God, I want to know what you say and what the book means. And you say, I'm going to give up food for this day. I'm going to fast. And I'm asking you that the lights would come on, that you will show me. And he says here, verse 8, then your light shall break forth like the morning. It's like the lights come on. There's revelation that occurs when you're praying and fasting. If you're doing this for that reason, I suggest you set aside a day where you really can get the book and sit down and pray and fast and read the scriptures and say, God, talk to me. I'm looking for an answer about a job or relationship, whatever it is you got to talk to me. I want to know you more intimately. Physical healing, literally here in verse 8, your healing shall spring forth speedily. Are you sick and you've got some disease or some problem that nothing's been able to break? I'm telling you, guy, and I'd consult with your doctor, obviously, to see if you can, blood pressure reasons, all those type of things. But I would encourage you to say, God, I'm sick. I've prayed. I've done everything. I'm going to fast and pray about this. And I'm asking you to heal my body. The scripture says here that your healing will spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You will live a righteous life. People will see you coming. There'll be a change there. And it also provides protection from the backside where the enemy can sneak up on you. Basically, it just makes you very alert It changes not only how you live, but how the enemy can approach you. Verse 9, and this may be, I think, one of the greatest challenges that I hear from people in terms of prayer. They say, I pray and I don't think I get any answers. Ever feel that way? 
I pray and it's like God's not listening. The prayers go up and hit the ceiling and bounce down. He says in verse 9, Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Wouldn't that be nice? I'm not saying it doesn't happen when you don't fast, but if you really want to hear from God, call on Him. It says when you call on Him when you're fasting, the Lord will answer. You will cry and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail." Those from among you shall build the old waste places and shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of the streets to dwell in. Now let me tell you enough about just talking about it. And I'm not telling you guys just because you fast and pray that it'll go away completely. The guys that struggle with sexual problems, the, the women that struggle with whatever it is, I mean, everybody struggles with something. You say, well, but nobody knows about it. I'm fine. I don't have to hide. You know what? You got to hide from yourself. And you think you're hiding from God and it's just, just going to go away somehow. Sooner or later, you're going to get sick of feeling the way you feel and living the way you live. And you're going to say, God, I can't take it anymore. Something has got to break. Now, we got people in our church with drug addiction, sexual addiction, all kind of addiction and most, you know, a lot of churches go, they didn't want to talk about this stuff and it's just very private and personal, leave me alone. It's another interesting thing people say to me, well, I want to go into deeper stuff. I want to go to another church because it's not deep enough. I want deeper study. Let me tell you something. It doesn't get much deeper than this, but the question is not whether it's deep. The question is whether you're going to do something about it. Because you can know all the verses, all the passages about fasting and never fast. And you can be able to explain it theologically and doctrinally and it make all kinds of sense to somebody. But the question is, are you doing it? And is it changing your life and somebody else's life? We got people in this church who are praying for family members who are not Christians. And that you've done everything in your power. Maybe you haven't fasted. And I'm not saying, well, try that and then give up. I'm saying, keep doing whatever it takes. But when you hit an impasse, say, Father, whatever it takes, I'm willing to pray and literally give up food itself if that's part of the answer. Richard Ellis will return in a moment to wrap up today's talk with a few final words. But first, I want to share some important information about the program. The reason we do this is to share with you the good news. When you open your heart and life to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of the most amazing journey you'll ever experience. But it's also a journey that we want to join with you. So if you've been on this road for a while or just getting started, let us know how we can help. Maybe you've got some questions, stuck in neutral, or even wondering how to take the next breath. We're here. Give us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. We're here to celebrate with you too. So if this program has made a difference to you and encouraged you in any way, tell us about it. Let's keep this conversation going by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also send us an email through our website, richardellistalks.com. That would really make our day to know how Richard's talks have helped you. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD or email us through the website richardellistalks.com. And speaking of the messages, you can find today's talk along with every message from Richard at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, we really believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. 
you can contribute to this ministry by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. We would be so grateful for your gifts. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now, again, I said earlier, I can't tell you I understand this. I can't explain it. But something happens in the spiritual realm that when you say for spiritual reasons, I am not going to eat, that even the demons themselves go, we're in big trouble. The last thing the devil wants you to do is to pray and fast because it is so powerful and it is such a fast track to getting answers that it will break almost anything that's out there. And if you say, well, I've tried it, then I'd say try it with another person, with two people, three people. You can get a whole church praying and fasting about something. I'm encouraging you to take a step of faith. And I'd almost say whether you're a Christian or not, because Cornelius in the scripture believed, but he hadn't met Christ yet. If you're not a Christian, you say, well, God, I don't believe any of this stuff and I'm challenged by it, whatever. I just don't get it. Then fast and pray and say, God, if you're real, reveal yourself to me. I'm willing to give up food to find you. Now, for some of you, this is a catalog message. I understand that. You say, well, what was that about? I went to church to get something interesting. And it may be two months, it may be 20 years from now, but I'm telling you, when he brings it back to your remembrance and you get to that impasse, I am begging you to stop and instead of dragging this thing out, pray and fast and see what God does as a result of that. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.